calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Rust. I mean, Warren. Dirk. You shouldn't have come. I know. After what I did... What? No, because I look like a mess. But... You saved me, Warren. Sure, but... No booties here, mister. Except mine. Which you saved. Dirk, stop. You need to understand something. Sure. What's up, pal? See, that's just it. I know I've been hard on you. Ordering on cruel at times. Yeah? Sometimes in the workplace, peers and co-workers develop a sort of rapport. An attachment that borders on a stiff but welcoming friendship. Yeah? Dirk, we don't have that. Yeah? Don't get me wrong. I don't hate you. Not really. But I find you very unpleasant to be around. And as much as I'm sure it pains you, it's important that you know that. Doesn't matter. What? It doesn't matter. Warren, do you know where I was? What was happening to me? You were under the influence of some sinister plural entity. Not just under the influence. I was inside the whole time. I watched him pulling strings, drawing attention. I I felt his excitement, his joy. All behind glass. Like watching the chimps at the zoo pick each other's fleas. And knowing that they'd love you if they just gave you a chance to suck tick with the best of them. You're losing the plot, Bradley. Look, the point is, he made me feel things I didn't want to feel. Do things I didn't want to do. I could feel him getting stronger, feeding off the audience. That's why he made his play on you. He felt like you would buy in. I see. But you didn't. That's what matters, Warren. You didn't. You could have jumped on the puppeteer's bandwagon and pulled my strings for all the boys and girls at the cosmos. But instead, you stabbed me. You put that devious dummy back in his satin-lined suitcase. But here's what I can't shake. I felt it all. Saw it all. He was me, for all intensive purposes. Intense and purposes. I know I'm in intensive care, but whatever. The point is, he felt like you would play ball. So I gotta ask, why? Why was he so sure he had you? That's... that's my business. Ah, Pop, come on. One more story before bed. Gross. Yeah, sorry, that was weird. Look... I gotta go. I just wanted you to know, I'm going to try to be nicer to you, okay? Just give me space, and we'll get along fine. Eh, no blood out of my guts. Well, no more anyway. Champagne. Champagne? My name is Shandring, Mr. Bradley. How do you know I wasn't asking for champagne? Because you call it Fizzy Dizzy. You know me well, Shandring. Did you need something, sir? Yeah. I need you to bring me everything written by a particular author and everything written about him. Okay. Wait, aren't you going to ask who? I think I get it, sir. Can you just... Can you just do it? Please? <sighs> What author is that, Mr. Bradley, sir? Warren Rusborough. He's written over 300 original works and has been the subject of more than a thousand. And that's just what's in the archives. Ha, Douglas, 300? Maybe they're mostly travel pamphlets and candy recipes. Let's see, if I read one peppermint bark bonanza a day, I could finish in 300 divided by... Give me the six. Take away words per diem. Maybe just bring me his top five. 
Team Gold Dragon stands on the main stage for the mid-season hero draft, yet they are not a complete team. Gaspar Elifnot is missing. If he remains missing for the third round, the team will be forced to disband. Before you have a chance to react to this information, the clock is lowered, the fanfare is played, and Sarge Hardbody, Mm. the announcer for the (laughs) hero draft, begins to speak. Welcome back, everybody, to the Hero Draft. I'm very happy that you decided to return. Uh, this is the second round, and it looks like we already have an absinthe. Gathbar Alpha Nugget? <laughs> he is the Alpha Nugget. <laughs> that sounds delicious. No, I, I left not. Okay. I really like the earpiece they gave me. I don't have to have them run over to me every time I make a mistake. Gathbar is not is not present. His votes will be assumed to remain as a part of the team known as Gold Dragon, but if he is not present for the final round, uh, it will be considered a forfeiture of his right as a hero, and then Team Gold Dragon will fall apart. Oh, that would be terrible. Did anyone see Gaspar this morning? No, the last person I know who spoke to him was you, Iavos. Right. Uh, but anyway, that doesn't really matter, uh, and we're not going to spend the entire time talking about this one team. So, uh, we're going to move on with the round. This guy. <laughs> the the production assistants on the earpiece must be going crazy. They, they are pulling their hair out. I'm a big fan of the fact that they gave him an earpiece. Yeah. yeah. They, could, they couldn't just have the telepathic uh, Hard body has right. turned Dana into a trumpet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let us begin. The clock begins to tick. When it chimes, Hardbody speaks. <laughs> I can't do this every time. <laughs> Give it a minute. Awesome. You've got to stop saying Hardbody. <laughs> Are we good? <laughs> Okay. All good. In this round, the administrators will be voting in reverse order. Therefore, Athetha Vinculum is up first. She bids three to Kaor, also known as Phoenix, and one to Hal Orthen. Kaor's top tier deserves the three share. Just gotta be playing me with the one share. I know what I'm with. The clock begins to tick and then chimes. Intention of the Bowery spoke. Bid three for Tamur Yevgeny, and three to Gathbar. Three's fair for Tamur. He's practically unkillable and he kicks like a mule. Gothanox bids two on Gong. He should take it, but he won't. Uh, nobody wants to it for the Beholder. Beholder? Yeah, Gothanox is a Beholder. Didn't you know that? It's fascinating. The next bell chimes. Tonatiwa bids four for Hal. Wow, it's really going up. That's better. That's much better. Good aligned spoke team. High offer. It's too bad for him. I'm committed. Johan Goethe uh, bids one for Iluhamantan a chime chain. Oh, that's too bad. That's pretty tragic. I can't say she deserved much better, but Goethe played the game and she lost it. I'm surprised any of them are staying by Ashpool's side at this point. The Broken Court bids five for Penny. Yeah. That's not bad, Penny. Uh, took the share they'd bid for Simon and rolled it into yours to sweeten the pot a little. They must really want you. Yes, it's the, the same spoke. I wonder what they are thinking. Glenn Amethyst bids six for Hal. Wow. Hal quietly smiles and says, Thanks, Dad. Hal, you tied with Iavos. Don't put it like that. Let's just... <coughs> just, just, <laughs> just say I beat what they offer Dad. <laughs> It's too much, though. There's no way the rest of their team's going to work for one share. And the commissioner abstains again. Wow. He doesn't really care. He's probably panicking right now. He probably wanted to bid for Iavos, but if I take the offer, it disbands the team. I think if Gaspar doesn't show up, it disbands the team as well. Yeah, that's a bit concerning, too. The decision buttons appear again. Would anybody like to take the bid? I don't even think I got an offer that time. I'll just stand right over here. <laughs> uh, Hal looks at you and says, it doesn't work if you put push accept. I feel like no one's going to beat a six anyway, so I've 
Got my gold ribbon, as it were, already. <laughs> I don't know if, if I decline this one and they bid six on me next round, we'll all be tied. <laughs> Hal, Hal looks at the button for, for a moment, sighs and pushes the no. Put a comforting Iovosian hand on his shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> it's tempting, but I'd have to explain what I did with his ring and I don't think he'd be very happy with me. <laughs> I will also decline. And Avos doesn't have to. Yeah. I'm going to hold Penny's hand. The bell chimes and Hardbody speaks up. The decisions have come in. Ilohana Chime Chain accepts Varada's bid. Don't worry, honey. I've heard he's a really nice guy. No, she did not accept. Don't tell me that she accepted a bid of one. She knows there's not enough slots left for someone at her tier. It's either this or go to the ring. I'd take a one if it meant getting away from that ash hole. <laughs> Timur accepts his bid. I've heard the Bowery is a really fun place. It's a good fit for him. He's a bit of a wildcat, and intention's always been a hands-off admin. Gong refuses Gorthanox. Wow. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. It's stupid to do it, but I understand why. He's the second best person on Grey Knight after Ashpool. He wants something higher. He won't get it. Wow, everybody's turning down fives and six. It must be nice to be so special and so wanted that you can just throw away good money. (laughs) At that, the fanfare plays and the show draws to a close. You stand now on the stage as the rest of the heroes make their way out of the studio. I'm very concerned about Gaspard at this point. Penny's stage grin leaves her face. I am too. Where could he be? Ophidian looks over at you. Hey, where's your buddy? Didn't think it was important to show up? I don't know. Eshpool, where's yours? I say, gesturing to Simon's missing spot. (laughs) Wow! Killer! I'm okay. Trust me. Yeah, I hope so. No offers today. Only one lift. Mm -hmm. Hate to see you land on the ring. My fingers are (laughs) crossed when I say it. (laughs) That's fair. No, I think think I'd be fine. Thank you for your concern, though. Besides, I got rings enough. He holds up his hands. Well, at least with you and Gong, the conversation will be quite cunning. <laughs> well, hey, he does his job and he keeps quiet and doesn't question orders. But uh, yeah, hope you find your friend. I'm sure he's um, in very safe hands. Can I... Is he implying that he might know where Gaspar is? When Ashpool says that, Iavos pulls out his father's spectacles and slides them on and says, Yes, I'm... I'm sure he's quite safe, wherever he is. And I'm going to incite Ashpool's strange response. I like it. Hal has no spectacles, so he squints. (laughs) Uh, Natural 20. Jesus Christ. Plus six. I got got a 12 plus two for 14. (laughs) Even better. Nice. You can both tell that he knows more than he's letting on. I don't suppose you have seen Gaspar any time recently, eh, Ashpool? Me? <laughs> what would I want to do with Gaspar? Well, if Team Gold Dragon disbands, you get the best pick. Why would I want Team Gold Dragon to... Are you guys not getting this? Are you dense? I'm your villain. Does that not make sense to you? Does that not click with you? You keep treating me like I'm your enemy for some reason, and I just don't get it. I... I'm here for you. I've done nothing but help you, and all I've gotten is your guys' crappy attitude. Look, and it's not me you should be watching. Maybe you should have looked a little deeper into your headless friend. Well, if it's in your best interest to keep Gold Dragon together, maybe you can help us find him. Well, your friend's connected. He's got friends in high places. And uh, from what I know, there's a certain celestial being that makes its home here in this place that might have a score to settle with his boss. Hmm. Well, thank you for your insight, Ashpool. Hey, with enemies like these, who needs friends? And he turns and he walks away. Every day I just get more confused about him. He's just a two. (laughs) (laughs) Gaspar, there is only darkness. No light, no sound. Yet you exist, for now. It takes you a moment to understand what's happening. A wash of helplessness settles over your bones as you realize that your head is missing. Unable to speak, 
Everything in Gaspar's voice is now his thoughts. Fuck this. <laughs> okay, so, your head's gone. Tell me something I don't know. But this time it's more gone than usual. The Vries head to which you've bonded your wisp is out of range. But, like any good rogue, you take stock of what you know. You know you're tied to a chair. That much is certain. You know these people aren't very good at knots. You can feel the coarse hempen rope digging into your wrists and the firm wood beneath you. The space is cool, dry. You'd guess underground. All of your equipment has been taken, or so it would seem. What would you like to do? With deft fingers, I'm going to inspect these knots a little bit more and just how weak they are. Uh, Yeah, sure. Give me a perception check. That's going to be a six. From what you can tell, it's hand-woven and not particularly strong. It seems inconsistent in its thickness throughout. There are weaker points. You can also tell that with a little bit of finagling and a little bit of care, you might be able to slip it, but it'd be more difficult. I'll try and loosen some of the knots, not let all of the ropes fall off just yet. Give me that sleight of hand. It's a 19. Okay. And give me a deception to make it look like you haven't untied yourself. Natural 20. Beautiful. You managed to loosen it just enough that if you needed to, you could pull your hands right out. But to any observer, it would just look like your hands are still tied. Now, unable to see, hear, smell, I have no idea if anybody is around. So I'm going to struggle a little bit just so that if anybody close to me was, or just so that if anybody was close enough to see my slight struggles, they would have to regard it in some way. Roll perception. High wisdom. (laughs) I hoped. That's a seven. Ooh. Oh, unless this is sight based and I can roll with disadvantage. (laughs) Do you want want me to do it with disadvantage and get lower? You know, no, that's fine. Okay, okay. As you continue to struggle, hoping that someone will come to you, you sense an odd presence just in time to feel a sudden extreme impact in your gut. You would be winded if you had a mouth out of which to breathe. Still hurts my lungs. Whatever this thing is, it doesn't play nice. But that's okay. All you needed to know was where he is. I'm then going to play like he fully knocked the, you know, the wind out of me and into unconsciousness. Okay. You feel a hand at your shoulder lift you up. I'm a ragdoll. Okay. Give me deception. 15. Okay. Yeah. Would you like to do anything else? As dexterously as possible. Try and loosen one hand, slip it out of the ropes just enough to try and pickpocket at a belt. Because whatever's holding my shoulder feels like a hand, correct? Definitely. So I'm thinking humanoid. So belt or waist must be around this if I'm uh, this height if mm-hmm. I'm sitting down and they're standing up. So, so gonna... I'm going to see if I can get even just a little tool out of them. Um, Fair enough. Small knife, a paper clip. Who knows what this person has? So, go ahead and roll a sleight of hand. Any disadvantage? That is uh, definitely a disadvantage. All right, okay. Because I'm doing this in the dark. That is a natural one. Oh, my God. As you reach out to try and grab at him, you definitely feel a belt. But just as you do, you feel sudden agony as something pierces your forearm. You take... You take four piercing damage as someone embeds a dagger into your arm. I reel from the pain and flip this person the middle finger in the direction the stab came in. Mm -hmm. I can't hear if they're talking to me. There's a dagger in your arm now. Oh, there's a dagger in your arm. There is a dagger in your arm. Does it feel like only one set of hands have been working me? You have not felt anything other than a single body. Cool. This idiot just gave me the tool I needed, I guess. (laughs) So at this point, I'm going to shed every single rope off of me, take the dagger from my arm, and make a wide sweeping arc at about neck height for an average humanoid. Excellent. Go ahead and roll me an attack at disadvantage. That's a, a 10. All right. 10 does not hit. You feel a whoosh of air as someone takes a strike at you. What's your AC? It is 16. Do you have advantage? I do. Uh, unfortunately, they still miss. You effectively predict what the most likely attack is from this person and manage to dodge out of the way of what you assume to be sword attacks. 
However, you now know exactly where they are, at least enough to make an attack. At which I do. With my right hand holding a dagger, I'm going to scoop the bundle of rope from the ground Mm -hmm. and cast it like a net in an attempt to try and grapple this person. Ooh, interesting. Okay. So just a regular grapple. Yeah, yeah. But with rope as flavor. Uh, I'm going to let you roll this grapple as a... uh, Grapple's always strength? Usually, yes. Let's roll this as a dexterity since you're using rope. Ooh. Acrobatics. Oh, that's straight in the middle of the table. What a cock. Uh, 23. With his resounding five, you were able to effectively wrap this guy up in rope. Now you know exactly where he is, and you've got a connection to him. And you've determined it's a dude. Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) I was reaching for the belt. So I'm just going to pull him close, Mm -hmm. and then it's just going to be one of those desperate stabbing, like multiple, um, (laughs) like there's not much uh, poise that I can do with this being blind and in a, in a rope filled grapple. Sure. So it's just, I'm stabbing at gut level just to keep the knife close to me and uh, uh, unable for them to wrench away while doing as much damage as possible. All right. Give me an attack. You go full sewing machine on him. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, that is a 13 to hit. That does it. That is six points of damage. Oh, sorry, seven points of damage. Nice. Okay. Um, They try to break your grapple. Uh, Go ahead and give me a strength check. My athletics, right? Yes. Nine. That is still a success. He's getting some dog shit rolls over here. Okay. Uh, So you still have grapple. Uh, It is now your turn. Um, If you're going to allow me to make this a little sloppy, uh, I'm going to try and knock him prone. Okay. So that now I can get a little bit of advantage on him. Mm, That makes sense. Uh, that's a 20 total versus his contest. Okay. You succeed. You're able to drop him to the ground and get into a full mount. You've got your weapon re- ready, and I'm going to give you a free attack on this one. Nice. Because this is cinematic and not an official combat. Mm-hmm. That is a 26 to hit. Excellent. That is a hit. Feel free to add your sneak attack damage. Hmm. Seven. 16. 16 points of damage. That is more than enough. You manage to stab this body until it falls limp. One thing you also notice as you're doing so is that it isn't breathing and wasn't to begin with. As you stand there holding this body of something that you presume might even be undead, you realize that you could take its head. However, if you do, you will not be able to recover the Vries head. There is a heavy feeling, a mixture of anger, frustration, and just plain old irritation can i feel around this head what are the uh distinct features do i do i feel pointed ears of an elf its skin is waxy and sallow you feel around you notice it has uh pronounced cheekbones it has no clear or exciting features you would assume it's human at a guess hmm if i decide to inhabit this head My other one will decay at a rapid pace, probably faster than I can recover it. But I don't even know if it's still here or still intact. They could have thrown it away. How greedy am I feeling today? Apparently quite greedy. (laughs) I'm going to try and inspect the room blind, like feel around. Maybe my head is somewhere here. You begin to feel around inside of the room. Uh, Give me a general perception check. You know I'm the best at this. Mm-hmm. 16. You notice that the stone is loose and gritty. You would assume possibly sandstone at a guess. It's cool, but there's enough ambient warmth to tell you that it's presumably daytime. You also can tell that the room is very simple and there are no adornments. There are no tables, nothing. Simply an empty room of sandstone. This is where I lose my head. Any doorways? You do find a doorway. Just a single one. Mm-hmm. Nobody would be stupid enough to kill me. At least while I'm in Zenith. There are much, much too many consequences. Why would somebody take me? That's fine. I try and open the door. You push it open. And it feels heavy like stone. And there you stand at the open doorway. Do I f- feel a breeze? You do. Damn. 
Why did it have to be wide open spaces? <laughs> I step back into the room, close the door, and get to decapitating the corpse. You take the dagger and drive it into the neck, sawing in a circle until you reach the spinal cord. You break the vertebrae and raise your prize aloft as your wisp slowly moves in. What remains of Team Gold Dragon still stands on the stage, worrying after their friend. We have to find where Gaspar went. We have to find who took him, unless he left of his own accord. The only clue you have is that a powerful celestial may have intentions. Celestial, that would be the Hound Archon, right? Well, while we figure out where he is, we can at least find out if he's still alive. And fishing through his spell components, Iavos pulls out a series of um, three bronze small bells and uh, pulls out three leather straps that he has prepared in advance some time ago. Uh, and each one has one of your names on it. One says Alifon Orison Jr. One says Penelope Farthing. And one says Gaspar if not. Oh, yeah, baby. And attaching the leather strap that says Gaspar to the bell, he hangs it around his neck and focuses on his memories of Gaspar, thinking of their camaraderie together and the dangers they've been through. He says, if he's dead, it will ring. And there's silence, and then a faint tinkle. He's in danger. Next to you, you hear a click. And as you look over, you see Penelope pocketing her luck bracelet. If anyone has hurt him, gods help them. So, do you want to do anything with your clue? If Ophidian's insight is anything to go off of, we need to make our way to Michelin and figure out why they're so interested in our friend Gaspar. Let us get a tabaxi cab. (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful. You find your way to the nearest port and are able to hail a tabaxi cab. Now that you are heroes, you are permitted to travel to the spokes, making your trip to Miglan entirely reasonable. You have had little time to gaze upon the wonders of Zenith, yet now as you descend towards Miglan, you wonder what could have been so important as to draw your eyes away from such a spectacle. All about the borders of the triangular spoke, heavy irrigation allows for terraced farms along rolling hillsides. Vegetation cascades down towards the central city, a sweeping vista of colorfully adorned pueblos with tents lining the streets. At each extreme of the triangular city lies a teocali, step pyramids commonly referred to as ziggurats. Each one is dedicated to a different aspect of life. One, a great tiered open-air market with goods and sundries from across the cosmos. Another, a colossal bathhouse whose steaming waterfalls can be seen from the air and throughout the city. The last, at the innermost point of the isosceles triangle, is a staggering house of worship, home to Tonatiwa, the spokesman for Miklan. As you approach the Teokali of worship, your taxi stops. A brief while later, you hear a chime, at which point the taxi continues towards the pyramid, eventually landing on a small outcropping designed for ships. When you arrive, You are greeted not by servants, but plates, ornately painted clay serving plates, one depicting a sun, the other a moon. They begin to circle around you as though inspecting you. Iavos is looking at these magical trinkets fascinatedly. Some kind of sentinel or security measure for this spoke, I suppose. Yeah, it could be a person, honestly. Um, You never can tell with celestials. It's kind of a wildcat. One of the plates turns facing up and drifts towards you, almost urging to have something placed on it. Is there a fee for entry? Well, yeah, it's a church, isn't it? Got him. (laughs) Iavos, being the treasurer, will take out one of the party's quin and start putting it towards the plate. uh, Iavos, gold's probably just fine. We don't go to this church. We don't need to tithe that much. (laughs) Yes, well, certainly not my faith. He tucks it away and then pulls out a couple gold and sets it in the tray. Once you place it, the plate seems to shiver with excitement and then rush off. The moon plate 
begins to lead you towards the entrance. Well, I hope these plates know where we're going, because I certainly don't. The interior of the great structure is not garishly decorated. Quite the contrary. Decorations prominently feature hand-woven rugs, clay pottery, wood carvings, and all of them not masterfully assembled by world-renowned experts, but humbly offered by the citizenry. After a few long hallways, bypassing rooms sealed with sandstone doors, you come to an open one. Inside, you find a simple study, the same rustic, handmade aesthetic is prominent here, too. Standing opposite the entrance, with a desk between you, a creature gazes out a rough-hewn window. The being is of average height and extremely muscular build. Its skin is a somewhat translucent red-brown, granting intimate view of the muscles and sinews beneath. But what strikes you most is that rather than that of a humanoid, this creature has the head of a hairless dog. It turns and levels pale, milky white eyes at you. Its arms are outstretched, and placed across them is a large stone sword. It looks at you expectantly. Elvis looks to Penny. Penny has been quiet this whole time, and as you look to her, you see that she is seething. Her fur is bristled. Her horns seem somehow longer and sharper. The gold of her eyes has focused into needle points. She approaches the figure holding the sword. It awaits. I will take hold of the handle of the sword. As you do, you find that you cannot move it. Would you so arrogantly bear my burden? I would cross heaven and earth to find my friend, and I think you know where he is. Noble. Of course I know where he is. He is here. We wish very much to have him return to us. You are welcome to recover him. Or try. Would you care to explain why he's here? I am uninterested with your personal politics. Well, yeah, but... But you took him and brought him here, yeah? I took nothing. Take him if you wish. I have no interest in what you have to offer. But please, ensure all violence is kept within the confines of his quarters. I assure you the feeling is mutual. Point the way and we will take our leave of you. Without any motion at all, the plate responds with a nod and begins to guide you. I hope we have little cause to interact in the future. Somehow I don't think I'm getting a better offer than four shares from him. <laughs> Do we think that was the dude himself? That was in okay. fact that was in fact Tonatiwa. God. I wasn't sure if he had like uh, like other dog headed guardians and stuff here. <laughs> no, that's fair. Yeah. See you around. Thanks, dog. It makes no response. <laughs> Iavos is focusing on the bell as well, hoping that somehow getting closer will guide him in some way. Of course. The plate begins to lead you through the halls. All simple sandstone. As you pass, some doors are ajar, giving off a sense of welcoming. Inside, you catch glimpses of houses of worship, each one unique and dedicated to a different god. Iavos, roll me knowledge religion. Oh, boy! A 17. Beautiful. You recognize some of the art. The vine-based knotwork of Komaktaneo, the jungle god of the shelter, from the wield of the eternal rainfall. The rough, hammered bronze of Gaur, the dwarven god of humility and common cause. The clean, black marble of the purity, an unforgiving but righteous being from the outer plain of Arbactos. All gods and plurals represented are good aligned. And while this place is no doubt dedicated to whatever god Tonatiwa serves, it seems that goodness, in all its forms, has home here. Leading you to wonder what they would want with your friend. Ah, Mr. Rusbro. Come in. Have a seat. I'm glad you came. Man greases the right palms to clear you for murder. You don't really have much of a choice when he asks you for brandy and cigars. Sure you did. You always have a choice, Mr. Rusbro. Can I call you Rusty? I'd prefer if you didn't. I know. Bad joke. But truly, Mr. Rusbro, you always have a choice. Like that incident with Mr. Bradley. 
You could have overlooked his behavior, but you didn't. You could have let him continue to rot in psychic shackles, but you didn't. You could have used that buffoon to leverage yourself into bigger and better things, but you didn't. What can I say? The doofus has grown on me. No, he hasn't. Don't play the magic of friendship card here. Nor the integrity ace up your sleeve. You put a serious knife in my back when you put one in his heart. And I think you knew that. I wanted to get your attention. You have it. Good. Then let's talk business. We're about to witness a planar phenomenon, a keyhole between worlds that only marketing can penetrate. Join me as we glimpse into the adverse. No! Stop! Stay back! What's happening to I'm sorry, Serena. Run! Please, for God's sake, run! No! Bad boy! This is just what I need. I'm up the duff with a wedding to plan and the groom's an ungroomed monster. <sighs> Look, if I'm going to be walking down the aisle with some werewolf, it sure as the cold winds of his vedra won't be some mangy mutt. I don't want to hear it. This'll take hours. Thank the gods for manscape. With the lawnmower 4.0, we'll make short work and a short hair of this shaggy coat yet. And while the ceramic blades may be cutting edge, they won't be cutting the tender flesh of my big monster. Or his big monster, if you follow me. Plus, with the weed whacker, nose, and ear trimmer, I'll be able to endure your family's devastating hirsutism. You know, this werewolf thing makes a lot more sense now. Both of these amazing products are available in the performance package, along with a selection of refreshing liquid tinctures and concoctions to manage your miserable musk. Go to manscaped.com and use the promo code L-U-Q for 20% off and free shipping. That's promo code L-U-Q for 20% off and free shipping with Manscaped.com. Oh, quit fussing, you great puppy. If you're a good boy, when we're done, I'll throw you a bone. Not that kind of bone. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey, all you cuties. Roll out the mid-roll, I'll share some info with you. We've all been really, really busy. It seems like everyone has a lot on their plate lately. And that's all the more reason to reflect on how much we love making the LUQ. The fact that we have so many great fans and people who expect us to succeed motivates us to do our best and produce the finest product we can. Because we're really passionate about it. So thank you, as always. I also need to thank our patrons, who support us on Patreon. Without them, we couldn't make the show happen at all. Our newest $25 patrons are Bedlam and Corey Honeycutt. Thank you both for joining. If you want to become a member of the Battle Axis and have your character join the meta of the show, you too should check out our Patreon. If you want your name read with your legendary team during the mid-roll, that's also an option. For example, our current teams are the Titans Rise, the Twilight Concord, the Ceaseless Horde, and this week's featured team, the Forgotten Legacy, with Wagon, Insanity, John Reinhardt, and Daryl. For links to Patreon, the best Discord ever, merch, actors' pages, and everything LUQ, visit theluq.com. For questions or info about getting a personal message on the show or advertising options, contact admin at slapdashstudios.com. If you want to send us some fan art or something cool and nerdy that isn't homemade food, our P.O. Box is 230091-TIGERED, Oregon 97281. We put some of the awesome stuff we got on social media, and we love it very much. Remember to follow us at twitch.tv forward slash slapdash streams for weekly Pokemon Soul Link Nuzlocks with me and Zach. LUQ premiere episodes on Monday night with Dungeon Mistress Dana, which is a great place to interact with fellow LUQties and ask questions about the episodes. We'd love to see you on the Discord, though. It really is awesome, and I bet it would be even better with you there. I don't have too much for you this time, just remember to keep spreading the word and plant the seeds to watch the LUQ tree grow as big as you want. You have the power. But enough out of me, let's get you back to the battle axis. 
Ma, help! I clogged the dang toilet. Rufus, what you talking about? That's a dang outhouse. I had a big lunch. Does this sound like you? Are your bowel movements a size category too large? Does emptying your backlog change your encumbrance rating? Do you produce epic drops? Does your movement speed increase by 10 feet after you do your business? Did you max out your dump stat? No fiber control? No problem. Just call me, the Plungeon Master. No matter the size of the clog or log, I'll blast that wad and get your fixtures flowing smoothly. Don't get embarrassed. Call the Plungeon Master. It's a TPK. Total pipe cleaning. Gaspar. As you possess the head of the creature you just destroyed, your world is once again filled with sight and sound. You stand in a sandstone room. The walls have been cleared of all effects. There is only the chair, and the body, and you. The body is that of a warrior, or so you would assume. He wears simple leather armor, and carries a shield and sword. The flesh is sallow and pale like a corpse. This being was dead long before you liberated its head. I press my new head up against the door just to make sure that my irresponsible actions of just opening it while blind didn't (laughs) cause a commotion outside. (laughs) That's great. You listen and hear nothing of note. Cool. I upgrade to a peak. (laughs) Perfect. Uh, You stick your head out and look down the halls. What you see is more sandstone But here, you find decorations. Weapons, armor, and depictions of great and terrible battles between good and evil, order and chaos. You find regalia, military medals, trophies, and dozens of other monuments to supremacy. Gaspar spits in his thoughts. (laughs) Just makes the gesture. Sure. Do any of these weapons or armor look usable to me? Yes, they all seem functional. Don't hit the player, hit the game. I'm going to try and see if there's a bow or at least a rapier, saber. Sure. You try to find a weapon that matches your personal effects and you do find a rapier. But when you try to draw it from the wall, it seems unmoving. It's one of these deals. (laughs) I can tell you from experience, trying to remove immovable objects from the walls just kills time on the podcast. It doesn't work. (laughs) (laughs) I will continue down the hallway. Any sounds coming from either side? Go ahead and give me a perception check. That's a two. Woo! You don't hear or see anything of particular note. But as you follow the hallway, you eventually find what you presume to be the main hall of this structure. Before entering, of course. Being a rogue and all. Yes. It is a throne room decorated in clean metals. Platinum, gold, and silver prominently featured. Kneeling before the sandstone throne are four figures who match the general aesthetic of the being you just killed. Is there something immediately to my left or right that I can hide behind? There are pillars in the room for certain. They do not seem to have taken notice of you yet. Then I will attempt to stealthily hide and get closer to them so I can observe them better. Sounds good. It's a natural 20 Mm. for 30. Beautifully done. Yes, you managed to move like a shadow through this space, though it is well lit by golden sunlight. As I get closer to them, because I can't even see my own head. Mm-hmm. There's, I haven't seen a mirror, have I? No. So what do these humanoids look like? At a glance, they're all different. One seems to be an elf, another a dwarf. The third seems to be a lizard folk. Do I feel any extra senses from this head? From this head, no. Now in this throne room, how many doors other than the one I came through? There is another door opposite where you came from. You're entering from the right side of the throne room. And then there is a main entrance towards your left as you came into the room. And they are all facing the throne, correct? They're all facing the entrance. The entrance. If you were to move out from behind the pillar that you found, uh, you would be seen. Then can I get to the throne? Not without being seen. Not without being seen. Well, you could try and see if you succeed. Broad daylight and all, though, it might be hard. (laughs) Okay, okay. Does it seem possible... 
that I could throw something loose into the far corner of the room and make a break for the door? Or does that distance seem impossible? Um, you feel like you could easily throw something that might draw their eye, but how long they might look is debatable. Okay, then. Then I just got to make a power play. I am going to step out from the pillar, knife to my own chest, pointing to my own chest, and just holding up this new head in my left hand. Will somebody fucking give me answers as to why I'm in this building? (laughs) As you enter, they rise to attention and ready their weapons. One of them wields a crossbow, the other a bow. One wields a longsword, the other a battle axe. Though no words are spoken, their message is clear. That you must prepare for battle. God damn. Roll initiative. That is a 12. Thank you. So, before you have an opportunity to react, the crossbow wielder takes its shot. How does a 14 do without armor? That is going to match it. Okay. It deals you six damage. Piercing. Before you really have a chance to even finish your snarky sentence, you immediately find a crossbow bolt buried into your forearm. They never want to talk. <laughs> ding ling 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 That makes it your turn. I shuffle around a little bit, head over to the pillar to my right, attempt to stealth behind it, at least from the crossbow person, mostly. Hit, hit me with that decep. Uh, that is a natural 20 for 30 on stealth. Is that deception or stealth? That's stealth. Fuck me. Natural 20? Yeah, I think uh, they don't notice. Cool. I'm going to pop out from one, bet the farm on one attack, and throw the dagger at crossbow boy. Oh, shit. Okay. Bold Cross move. Boy. Do I have advantage? You do. Okay. Thank you. That is a 23 to hit. That is definitely a hit. That is 12 points of piercing damage. Nice. We have them surrounded, Nepit. <laughs> Yeah. As uh, above one of the sword-wielding undead, Nepet appears, desperately piercing his dagger into its heart. You step behind the pillar and hurl your dagger. It jams deep into the neck of the crossbow wielder. Immediately, you see a gush of coagulated brown blood spill out onto the floor. From the pool, a hand crawls out and Nepet stabs the nearby longsword wielder. How's the damage? 10 points of necrotic damage. Beautiful. And he almost beat you for damage. Mm-hmm. That's true. I then use the rest of my movement to back into the hallway. Excellently done. The warrior that you hit does not seem too terribly perturbed, but it's not happy about the knife in its neck. Meanwhile, the one with the bow takes a few steps forward to get a clean shot and then takes it. Does a 16 hit you? It does. Okay. It does six damage. All right. (laughs) These boys are rolling tops. It's going to be good. And then the two remaining melee warriors attempt to close the distance with a full move. And that brings it back to your turn. No. One more crossbow. crossbow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Crossbow makes a move. You can reload while moving. Correct. Mm -hmm. Okay. Crossbow makes a move diagonal across the room, reloading as he goes, and then takes another shot but fires completely wide, leaving a quarrel lying just next to you. Other than the weapons that they have in their hands, are the warriors armed with anything else? Any side uh, weapons? They both seem to have a dagger on hand. Cool, cool, cool. So I'm going to move up to it, attempt to pilfer that dagger at its belt. Sure. A 25. That definitely does it. I am then going to disengage with my prize and run away to a safe distance behind another pillar. Excellent. At this angle, crossbow bolt has to move ahead to take another shot. This one gets a 12. That is going to miss. Nice. Another quarrel falls next to you. And then Bowman does the same. This one, however, gets a 20. That'll do. That'll do. And rolls a five. Good God. Yeah. yeah. With the very effective die rolls on these fuckers. Okay. And then longsword moves up, closes the distance. And rolls a 17. That'll do. Okay. That is a five coming at you. All right. All right. And does an 18 hit? That does. (laughs) And this one's dealing nine. Nine? Yes. Okay. 
Meanwhile, Team Gold Dragon forces their way through the sandstone door of the dungeon which holds their ally. You stand at the entrance to a throne room. Every wall is heavy laden with weapons and armor of great heroes with no concern for aesthetic value or consistency. A mishmash of styles and cultures assaults you as you take in the inhabitants of this place. But of most particular note are the four creatures trying to murder your friend. Roll for initiative. Gasp. Arr. Arr. <laughs> Arr. 15 for Ayavos. My dice seem to have stage fright because I have a seven. <laughs> That's the with the modifier. Okay. Not one for a total of two. Ooh, very nice. All right. That begins the round anew, beginning with the crossbow boltsman. The first thing it does is notice that three jackasses just pop their way through the door. You have mounts? <laughs> <laughs> and it takes a shot at Penny. With a natural 20. Hit me. <laughs> These fucking sixes. Jesus. Twisty. Very consistent. And another four. So that is a total of 10 coming at you from a crossbow shot. And that makes it Iavos' turn. Hit me. Okay. So I am going to try to help Gaspar to okay. the best of my ability. He's in, a, he's in the middle of a zombie night sandwich kind of thing. So... I am very close to one of them. There's only like five feet between us. So I'm going to reach out with my hand and uh, manifesting the cold winter of the Withering Acre. I'm going to open a tiny door to that realm. And usually there's like a range with this, but I'm so close. I'm just blasting him full force with a frostbite. Okay. (laughs) So he's going to need to make me a constitution saving throw. Okay. Does a woof. Does a 17 overcome that? Yes, it does. Okay. So the frostbite does nothing to him. And then with a bonus action, I'm going to cast a second level healing word on Gaspar. Nice. You're welcome. (laughs) Not bad. Ten hit points back to you. Good, sir. Nice roll. And a second level spell from me, gun. That brings us to Gaspar's turn. Gaspar's no idiot. It's going to take the dodge action. Okay. Going to start taking very evasive unpredictable movements. So as well as dodging, I'm going to disengage as my cunning action, move away from these combatants, and get into proper pug-of-war formation. Mm. That's my turn. Okay. And that makes it Bowboy's turn. Bowboy. He takes a wide shot at Iavos. Oh. And that moves us on to Penny's turn. How did you find me? And where is this? A question for later. <laughs> it will help my next actions. <laughs> it is a long story. We are in Mictlan. I'm glad to see you again, Gaspar. Penny steps forward, still wearing her glittering gold dress, unpins the clasp from her shoulder, the one that looks like Zillow's, and she's going to toss it beneath the feet of the crossbowman. You know, one of my favorite things about stories, symbolism. And it's going to explode into a cloud of daggers. (laughs) I like it. All right. What do I need to do? You don't have to do anything. Oh, nice. But anyone who moves into this square or starts their turn in it takes 44 slashing. Nice. I like it. That makes it Battleaxe's turn, who immediately turns to the Iavos, who just shot him with what he assumed was air conditioning. Yeah. And uh, takes a swing and horribly, embarrassingly misses with a whopping seven. That actually misses. (laughs) I tired them out already. Well done, Gaspar. (laughs) All right. And that makes it Sword's turn, who also walks up to Iavos and takes a swing. Does a 12 hit? It does. Hey, (laughs) just barely. Yup. The sword manages to pierce into your side only ever so slightly through your heavy, thick cloak and clothing, Mm -hmm. dealing you five damage. Ouch. Uh, In a response to this, Mm -hmm. these are are undead warriors. They are. Okay. I'm going to, using my reaction, cast a third level hellish rebuke on you. Okay. And I think I'm just going to leave it with fire damage. I don't really need to change that up. But I am going to activate a spell secret and require him to make me a charisma saving throw to save from it. And I whisper, 
but cast no threat upon his clan. Ooh. Uh, that's a miserable failure. Excellent. Um, so at third level, it's 4d10. Okay. And coming from a sparked flint on his necklace, a gout of fire just crashes down on this guy like a pillar. Mm. Ooh, I like that start. Uh, 32 points of fire damage. Good God. Okay. And that is Iavos' first ever third level spell slot used. Yes. This creature had already been attacked by Nepet on behalf of Gaspar. So when you ignite it, it simply bursts into flames and then tumbles into a pile of ash. And that's why I got six. (laughs) (laughs) And finally, at the very end, trailing behind is the legendary Halifon Orison with his two initiative. uh, Excuse me. I'm heroic. I'm not legendary. (laughs) (laughs) The legendary Halifon Orison is my dad. (laughs) Legendary is my father. Yeah. Hal is going to do something a little unexpected. Rather than just flying into a rage and attacking, in his most authoritative voice, Hal barks in Celestial. See what I did there? Mm-hmm. Stand down in the name of Tonatiwa. In response, you hear a bellowing voice from high above. That dog has no power here. A golden light, separate from that of the artificial sun of Miklan begins to shine, brilliant through a great circular window. From the blinding light, a creature descends. To all appearances, it is a woman, with a tight double braid of thick black hair coiling around her plate-clad shoulders. The light lends a depth to the rich caramel of her cheeks, contrasting the cool blue-white glow of her stern and unwielding gaze. Her wings with feathers of steel, catch the golden rays dazzling you as they ease the battle angel to the floor. Hal's eyes narrow, and as his tattoos begin to glow and his eyes begin to shift, you hear him growl, Aunt Haniel, and then he lets loose his rage. Welcome back to EXPN. Experience the adventure. I'm Warren Rustborough. And I'm Dirk Bradley. Warren, you better put on your comfy cardigan and owlbear slippies, because there's about to be a draft in here. Dirk, you missed the draft. You were dead. Damn, I was looking forward to that. Why am I always dead, sealed away in an endless hell, or sealed away in an endless toilet for the good stuff? Pretty good excuse to miss work, though. One might hope, but I've known some retail managers who would still hit you with a guilt trip. The only kind of trip a rogue's evasion doesn't work on. Well, you know what they say. Monks may find peace of mind, but thieves can't. (laughs) That was so weak. (laughs) Like your constitution. Whoa. Low blow, Warren. Actually, I stabbed up into your heart from around your stomach. I've heard from cartloads of old ladies that that's exactly the way to get there. Overplayed aphorisms aside, it's good to have you back, Bradley. Ha! No, it isn't. Yeah, not really. You're an asset to the team. Your own irritations notwithstanding. You know, Warren, you're a stand-up guy, even if you only come up to my nipples when you do. Speaking of nipples, last night's gutter snipes infiltrated a drug smuggling ring established on row F-19 by the crime syndicate Mother's Milk. Believe me, no amount of black coffee could tempt me to use their creepy creamers. Ib id, Dirk. Wait, so you're allowed to do froggy noises, but when I try to do the broadcast in GIF, in which I'm fluent, you make a stink? Dirk, Ibid is used when citing the same source. You know what? Never mind. Besides, you're not fluent in GIF. You barely speak common. I paid a street vendor two quinn to blast my lobes with GIF knowledge. Yeah, okay, but why? <laughs> All right. Ooh, damn. <laughs> Family matters. Yep. I wondered the way Zach was describing things earlier. I, I was starting to be suspicious about these 
I would say gentlemen, but I don't think they're very gentlemanly. So Oh, they're all very noble warriors. Yeah. I was starting to suspect that something was up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Something in this dog pyramid with zombie knights is amiss. Yeah. <laughs> if they had captured something one more of our friends, you know, we might have assumed some things. This had my mother's stink all over it. Mm. Animated training dummies. Ah, that does make sense. So going forward, we're going to try and trim down some of this fucking outro. Y'all don't need to hear where to hear this fucking show. You don't need to know where to go. You've already heard that in the mid-roll. And if you don't listen to the mid-roll, you skip it just so you can come here and hear the important stuff here. Well, I'm sorry. Listen to the fucking mid-roll. It's delightful. And Law always has a great lead in for it. I do my best. Uh, What do you think? Play a game. Play the game. MVP. Play the game was that third level spell slot I don't know huge I'm always such a huge fan of stealing weapons off of people's belts that that maneuver always tickles my fancy I'm a fan of blind murder with uh, with fucking dagger in arm right like I just forgot that was this episode (laughs) no I think beating a guy while tied up to a chair and headless and still getting out on top is pretty clutch yeah Yeah. that's that's my favorite and I know that you like kind of corrected yourself later and said oh he's wearing clothes but I imagine Gaspar naked through that whole thing (laughs) (laughs) fair enough that's how it is in my mind's eye, too. He's what a, hanging hog. What about MVP? MVP. Uh, Ophidian Ashpool for, for giving us a clue. Gave, yeah. us, a, gave us the hint. Oh for having your back. Yeah. <laughs> nah, um, I take that back. That fun bit of trivia. Penny doesn't know what to make of Ophidian, and neither does Dana. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's the way he likes it. Everybody should be confused. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know who I've got for MVP this round. I don't want to give it to Ashpool because I don't. I don't want Ashpool to ever be the MVP. <laughs> That's a noble goal. Yeah. Yeah. Is it just fucking Sarge Hardbody again? Oh, oh. God! You, I'm. I'm glad that I can. I can apparently keep it together now when you say that. But like the first <laughs> half of this day was rough. That's fair. So I'm over here like clapping my hands over my mouth every time you. <laughs> I mean, you he, say it. If he gets MVP two episodes in a row, he's earned it. Did he? Was he last one? I yeah, think so. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he was. Okay, MVP well, he, can't last get, time. he can't get the same one. You can't give it to him twice. No, 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 no. Hmm. That's one for each of his guns. What about the sun plate for always being on that hustle? Yeah, we could give it. We could. I was gonna say we could give it our taxi driver for getting us to the plot. <laughs> I, <laughs> I'd give it to the taxi driver, but I do not trust animated dishware. That's fair. Let's just let's just give it to Miklan. Or, or what's his name? Tom- uh, oh, Tonatiwa? I was Tona, about to say that the entire spoke of Miklan. Well, let's yeah. give it to Tonatiwa for letting us into his, his holy place right. and not giving a fuck about nothing. Yeah. <laughs> He's just like, I don't give a shit what you got going on. He was so low-key that I didn't even recognize it was him and not his guardian. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We could give it to Tonatiwa for, for offering, you know, Hal four shares and then telling him he didn't give a fuck about him. <laughs> I Honestly, I think he he deserves it if only because he just doesn't want to sit there and be like, I'm going to monologue. Here's a bunch of plot. Here's a bunch of meaningless information. Get out of my goddamn room. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Don't touch my sword. <laughs> Better things to do. It's very heavy. Yeah. All right. One of those people is definitely the MVP. It's got to be Tonatiwa, I think. I think yeah. just stone cold dog man. Yeah, if you're in the live chat right now on a on a Monday at seven, I was gonna say yeah. Right well, now it's probably closer to eight, but yeah, feel free to say in the chat who you think the MVP is. We'll make is. a Twitter poll or something. Right. Or, <laughs> All right. Moving on though. Yeah. I know I said this was gonna be shorter. But yeah. It's not. Yeah. That that went super great. Michael, roll us in. It's a one. That means it's an Angel outro. Okay. Well, thank you for listening to this episode. Of League of Ultimate Questing. <laughs> it's an angel outro. <laughs> battle angler. <laughs> Season two battle axis. <laughs> Can I introduce our cast? First it's me, have... Michael Loving, playing Hal, the now raging barbarian. <laughs> then there's me, Angelo Kaluig. I play Gaspar, the headless and naked rogue of the Phantom subclass. I am Dana Ebert, playing Penny Farthing, the fawn bardlock. Currently, there's no sword, no shield, just a glittering dress and a lot of anger. Uh, my name's Law. I play Iavos Isadora, witness of the Withering Acre, six-point wizard boy. <laughs> <laughs> Worth six uh, points. Six points. Uh, and I am also the creative director of Slapdash. Uh, I'm Dungeon Boy Zach Barkus. I am the DM for this season. I am also the technical director for Slapdash Studios. I want to thank uh, Bree Golden, our map maker, for not making a map this time because I didn't ask for it and that was dumb. Uh, I also want to thank Hedegar the Editor for editing this episode. Yeah, for pulling pulling some work on this episode. Yeah, dude, these are two back-to-back hour 40 recordings, and I feel so bad. So, yeah, that brings us to what we've trimmed down. We don't have to say our little links and stuff, but no, we do check out the LUQ.com. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I hope you did your quest last week or two, three weeks ago. Something like that. <laughs> I hope you completed my quest. I do want to give you a new quest. I've been seeing some nice little doodles. Mm-hmm. Seeing doodles. If you want to share a stick figure of one of our characters, I'll take it. I don't care how good or bad you think you are. We want to see it. I was you about love to say, that fan art. I have like three or four doodles now, and if I get enough of them, I'm seriously going to have like an all-over print dress made with just penny doodles. Mm-hmm. A doodle dress. You got to print them out and then put them on your refrigerator. If my right. name is Pontifus Penny Doodle. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, here's a here's a slight quest for the parents who listen to this show. If you have a if you have a child, ask them to just doodle one of our characters, preferably yes. not Gaspar. In crayon, because that's just asking a little too much. I want it in crayon or watercolor. Yeah, but if you just want to make an adorable deer person, or just tell them it's an old man with a giant quill, just give them the prompt, and let's see what they come up with. I'd like to see that picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to be proud of you. Or you can join the discard cord and find the official descriptions of a couple of the characters in the art channel. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We went crazy on that. Yeah. Anyway. But yeah. When trying to convince your child to make a little doodle of one of our characters, I wish you luck. Luck.